Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. You can't control other people. People are going to do whatever they feel like doing, whatever they want to do. And so the quicker that I realized, well, I can't control those outcomes, I can maybe influence the outcome, but I can't control it. Like if someone wants to do something and to do it, it takes a lot of stress out of a lot of situations because yeah. I really can only control the part that I can control. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people. Today I'm really excited, uh, humbled and blessed. Uh, I was able to interview a man who was actually surprised that I wanted to interview him. <laughs> this is his first podcast interview ever. And you really are going to enjoy how we chopped it up. So Mike Budden, cousin to podcast mogul Joe Budden, is a healthcare entrepreneur, healthcare investor, physician's assistant, real estate investor, and get this former door manager at some of the hottest NYC nightclubs. Uh, in addition, he and I are about to launch a BIPOC-focused, but not exclusive, but BIPOC-focused concierge medical practice within the coming weeks, and it's something we're going to talk about during the interview. So his truth was the realization that you cannot control people and how difficult this concept is, but how rewarding it can be if you're able to master it, both in your personal and professional life. We talked about his work ethic specifically where he got it from. And he gave some really revealing stories about his mother and his grandfather and some of the examples that they gave him. We also got into it about how he became an entrepreneur and how actually nightlife helped him begin to plant the seeds of wanting to own his own business. And then we talked about a healthcare venture, uh, which is called Curated, which you listen to the interview, we'll get more into. And then we finished up with first impressions where he gives his first impressions on healthcare, technology, nightclubs, and Tesla motor vehicles, among many other things. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and let's get into it. Good people. Welcome back. Another episode of the Truth Description Podcast. I'm your humble host, Dr. Sekou Gathers. And uh, today's a special one. I have uh, Mr. Uh, Michael Button, also known as Michael Paul Button, <laughs> Mike Paul Button. And we should cheers, Mike. To your first podcast interview, I'm uh, I'm actually shocked and surprised because of all the uh, the various and sundry things you have done <laughs> in and out of the spotlight. Well, here's to you. How you doing? Good. You ready? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a little nervous, folks. This no, first it's, interview. It's, it's interesting you say uh, that you're surprised that it's my first interview because I'm surprised that you want to interview me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be. Don't uh, be. Okay. The things that you've done, the things that we're about to embark on, I think is special. Okay. So we okay. need to talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. 
So I, I like to start with this clip because it was interesting. We met about a year ago. We're talking about different people we know. And you played this clip for me. And I was like, whoa, okay. I, now, now I see who I'm dealing with. So I'm going to play this clip and then we're going to talk a little bit. Okay, no, let's talk about legendary status though. Me, Joe, and Joe's brother back in the day used to no, be out. Michael yeah, Fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, listen. Joe's got a brother who cousin. puts me cousin, whatever, who puts me and Joe to shame. That what, is with true. the game? Yes. Yes. Shame. Really? He puts you to shame? I got a cousin named Michael Paul. He looks like some type of like Abercrombie and Fitch model. <laughs> He's got a, a crib right here on like 17th Street. He's a doctor he's a now. Doctor, right? and he's a doorman. <laughs> what? You don't beat it. You don't beat it. You're not beating that. He's a doorman at a club. He's a doctor, and he's a doorman. He was a doorman at Tenju. Every popping club, he's the doorman. So not only can he do the asshole, he's probably doorman mad. I'm blowing it. Yeah, up you right really blow up his spot. No, yeah, no. But not only is he a doorman, so like doormen always have power in a weird way. But then a lot of women just go, yeah, but whatever. He's a doorman. No, but he's like, he's actually, fine. I'm a doctor. Fine. Yes. And he's attractive. Yeah, you don't. You can't. You can't beat his setup. You he's can't. Smart. Beat him. And he's a hustler. So like, now nah, you know you come up. You come up on the women that are either attracted to him or attracted to me because I'm like a sleazier version of him. Michael Ball. You're dangerous. He's a square. Appears, appears to be, appears to be. Yeah. Yes. yo, because his playing the nerd square to the hustle <laughs> yeah. that works, is, that works, yeah, Definitely. yeah, bar it's none. unmeasured. Bar none. Like, I've seen but him I, close all, things where I'm like, he's closing three or four and they all know each other, yeah, and they're giving him a pass because he's a doctor and he's dressed right and he's articulate, yes, and he's, I mean, it's, I've and seen, he's tall. yeah, it's crazy. Right. Well, it's let's see cool. it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to clarify, first of all, that was 2013. Mike is uh, getting married very soon, yep. so those those yep. player days are over, and uh, he just welcomed a uh, bundle of joy, yep. little Lennox. little Lennox, Lennox in the house. So we just want to give EJ her respect and her yes, props, just yes, to let you know I'm yes. not trying to glorify you know any any of that uh, stuff he yeah. was doing in the past. Yeah, no, she's awesome. But um, both of them, both of them, absolutely. For people that are not watching and you're listening, that was a Hot 97 interview with Ebro. Tahiri, Joe Budden, and who was the other guy? Um, Rosenberg. Oh, Rosenberg, yeah. Rosenberg. So that was sort of a little snapshot into your 20s, right? You grew up here in Harlem, went down south for a period of time, South Carolina, came back for college, right? So in all that time, tell us a story maybe about a truth or something that you realized about yourself or about the world that once you accepted it, kind of created a little bit of a breakthrough for you? So I was born in Har East Harlem, mm -hmm. right? Stayed in East Harlem until about six or so. And then we moved down south to my father's family and we're down there until I was about 17. I always was a city kid though, even though we were in, in South Carolina. And then moved back when I was 17 and did my last year of high school up here, which was weird. That enough. was weird. Very, yeah, we're very <laughs> weird. Like... Very weird. And that's a whole different story. But from there, went to college at SUNY Purchase. Yep. So very early on, I think a truth that, that I realized was that you can't control other people. People are going to do whatever they feel like doing, whatever they want to do. And so the quicker that I realized, well, I can't control those outcomes, I can maybe influence the outcome, but I can't control it. Like if someone wants to do something, they're going to do it it takes a lot of stress out of a lot of situations because yeah. I really can only control the part that I can control. Yeah. 
That's huge, man. And like you said, it's a, it's a big stress reducer, especially you and I, we, we work in a, we'll say moderate, moderate size healthcare company as, and we have leadership roles yeah. and we deal with a lot of people. Zero percent of those people we control. <laughs> right. You can influence them with it. As many times as I can tell, as I tell a diabetic to wash the sugar and diet and exercise, all that stuff, right. they can be nodding and yes, yes, absolutely. And then they leave there and go to the store and buy Twix. And it's like, <laughs> you know, so I can't control that part. So why stress it? So one of the things that... um kind of intrigued me about you when I first met you and I'll, I'll back into this story. So as I said, we, you know, we're, we're leaders in a, in an organization and I went to one of the locations, this particular person had never met me before. I said, you know, introduced myself. He said, Oh, you work with Mike? This is a female. You work with Mike? I said, I said, yeah. She's like, Oh, he makes me moist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, so I had to laugh, right? I said, that's an interesting uh, way to describe how you feel about somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but from when I first met you, like the video said, the guy's tall. You're obviously a good looking dude. A lot of times, even with women, I even see this with women, too. They really try to lean on their looks. You know, they really try to use that as their calling card. And you've really been dedicated to hard work and hustle. Right. And, and grind and actually not really trying to live off your looks. I mean, you know, you like the rest of us, you go before, you used to go and, ha and have a good time and meet people. But yeah. I really feel a, a drive in you, you know. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about just like, you know, where that came from. If I had to pinpoint where it first started, I, I would give it to both my mother working three jobs and just and my father was in and out of the picture. And she was always working a lot and you know we kind of had to grow up fast and and then when I was 13 I went to live with my grandfather and grandpa was you know ex, ex drill sergeant <laughs> show no emotion if he had 10 grand in his pocket or 10 dollars you would not know the difference <laughs> I really credit him for uh, showing me like work ethic and hustle I mean okay. my cousin talks about it all the time how he had us outside selling watermelons, you know. Oh, wow. Whatever. You mean Joe? Yeah. yeah. He, wow. he, he mentioned that story all the time. But I lived there. Joe would just come down and visit. And so, <laughs> right, I, so right. imagine all the stuff that, you know, he had me doing. But you know, I think that was like my first taste of like just figuring it out and yeah. finding an angle. And he wasn't impressed with you. He was just like. You, you he was just, more you, annoyed because right. I was this, I was 15, 16, didn't listen. Right. He wanted things done how he wanted it done. He'd tell me how to do something or he'd tell me to do something. And I would go do my 17-year-old version <laughs> of version, that. Right, right. right. And, you know, he, he, <laughs> he would just be annoyed. Like, is that how I said do it? And I'm like, well, I'm like it got done, right? right. You know? But, yeah, so yeah, I credit him for sure in just initially – putting something of a, that drive in me. And, and it just, that's where it, it came from. You and I are in a, in a venture yeah. together, which I'm super excited about. Before yeah, we yeah. talk about it, tell me, when was the moment that you knew that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Hmm. And again, I always say this when I talk about entrepreneurship, this is no knock against folks that don't own their own business. Yeah. Because every entrepreneur knows you need people. You need people who are not interested in owning businesses, right? Mm -hmm. We appreciate both sides, 
But there is, it definitely takes a certain type of person to say, you know what? I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to invest, invest all this money. I'm going to invest all this time in something that might not come to fruition. Right. 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 And so for you, when, when do you think that was or what was sort of the motivation behind it? I always had the idea of a business and doing my own business, even from young. I just didn't realize what that was. I could remember making some contraption in the yard. I'm like, oh, I probably could sell this, you know, and just thinking that way. But then I think that my first actual like foray into an actual business was 2017. I had been doing the ER grind. Uh, your ER, so you yes, I understand ER. the grind, the hustle, so doing the, grind. the ER grind. That basically means you just work a lot, you make a lot of money, and you have no life. Yeah, yeah. And you work this ER, you do per diem over here, you do, right. you know, right, hustle, right. So I was doing the ER grind, and I, I guess at some point realized that Botox was something that I could do. Now at that time, actually, rewind. I'm sorry. So I was working nightlife. Ah, right. Uh, he said you were a bouncer. Right. So I was, I, <laughs> Which so you weren't. We can clarify that. I was, All right, go ahead. I, I was never a bouncer. I right. was more of like a door manager. Yes. There was security and then there was like door managers. You call them doormen, but it's, I was like managing the door. Yeah. Who came in and, and how those groups would come in. And basically, the nice way to put it, I was curating the room. But in, in nightlife, it's all a bunch of entrepreneurs, hustlers, in order to be successful in that industry, it's a cutthroat industry. So it's a whole uh, economy there. You got promoters, you got people who own the club, you got people who work in the club, the waitresses, the bartenders, the actual manager of the club. Then you have security. There's all these different dynamics, but every single person, well, not every single, but many of those people are entrepreneurial people. They're like, they're trying to hustle. They're trying to yeah. get as fast money. They, you know, so being in that, but it's in that for 10 years, while also being a PA, yeah. I started it while in PA school. It gave me just a, a different, a, such a different perspective, how to earn a living and things that you don't see in medicine. And so, so I did both for a good amount, a good amount of time. And so in that, I definitely had several people who were very influential. Some of the people that I worked for in that, and those guys were just businessmen at heart. And so just working closely with them and learning, you know, concepts. Uh, There's one guy named Ophir, just a hustler. He had his own clothing brand and he party promoter, but he was the guy running the party. He currently transitioned into fast food restaurants. Oh. He's like franchising those now. And wow. so just working with him for several years and standing outside of a nightclub, just talking with him and him telling me about different concepts of like, how to make money on your money and make your money work for you and things like that mm. really kind of like gave me some of the initial pieces of the entrepreneurial spirit. Fast forward, had this concept for, cause I was pretty much burning out in the ER. Mm -hmm. So this concept for like a med spa type place, but in the med spa, you know, I had this whole network of non-medical people, nightlife people who I then wanted to then, use that network to then grow this med spa business because I felt there was some synergy. synergy there, right? And so I, not knowing much about how to form a business <laughs> or how to do anything, I just jumped feet first, like, yeah. oh, I'm confident I can do this. Right. After a lot of stress 
and a lot of money lost. Yes. I learned a tremendous yeah. amount. Yeah. You know, that med spa is no longer, but what I learned in that process uh, just was invaluable, really invaluable. And some of the lessons I learned doing that and just jumping in, you know, and so from that, that I guess it, you, get, you go two routes with that. You, you either be like, yeah, I'm done. Let me go back to the ER. <laughs> right. I lost I give however up. much right. money. Right. I'm good. Right. Or you say, all right, I see where I could improve on that and not make some of those same mistakes. And so I went that route. And so then hence with the iteration or the ideation that came forth. That, that's you know, coming, that's right. coming forth. Yeah. Right. Yeah, curated. I think it's important for people to listen to realize something you said, which is with every quote unquote failure, you have, you know, two, two options. I even think with any win, you have two options as well, right? <laughs> with a win, you can say I'm winning or you can look at ways that you can improve. I think if you continuously stay hungry, you'll never lose. I always, I always think about artists, right? You think about any artist you like. For me, I always think about two albums, and I guess the second guy I shouldn't say because he's, he's, he's canceled. But Nas is the first guy I think about. His first album was ridiculous, right? Yeah. Classic. And his subsequent albums were good, but they didn't have that thing. And when did he get that thing back? He got that thing back with Ether because he had a burning desire to prove something. Right. And so if he would have maybe had that all along... Then he would have had consistent, right. you know, consistent albums. The other guys are Kelly. We won't talk about him, but <laughs> same thing, same concept. I won't, won't go too far. But um, I think it's important, you know, with every failure, there's always opportunity. And uh, when you fall down, man, you know, you can go crawl into a hole or you can you can get up. So with that, let's talk. A, tell the people a little bit about Curated and what we're doing. We're like moments away. It yeah. feels like moments away. It's really yeah. weeks away, yeah. but we're moments away. We've been talking about this for about a year. And uh, lining up all our investors and our plans and getting the team right and getting everything straight legally, we're ready to rock. Yeah. yeah. So let's so talk a little bit about Curated. So I came out of that Met Spa idea. And I think the bigger thing I got out of that was that I was trying to reinvent the wheel and dive into a new industry when I had so much experience in a different industry that was just right there for the taking. For years, I had been the go-to healthcare provider for a lot of my network. Mm -hmm. And that network is, quote unquote, a lot of industry type people. No quote um, unquote, it's just quote. <laughs> this guy's network for the listeners, this guy's network is vast with a, with a capital T on the end, vast. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a lot of it is, is being in certain circles and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, over the years, and then one circle bleeds into the next circle sure. type of thing. Part of it was nightlife. Part of it is, you know, my cousin and mm -hmm. then living in New York City. But anyway, so for years, I, I had been the go-to person for a lot of that circle for healthcare reasons. And so, you know, I, I know that, I, that there was a need, you know, even these people who have access, they have money, they have access, they mm -hmm. have good networks themselves, would always just reach out to me. So, so that was telling me if several things, but the main thing is that there is a void there that's not being filled yeah. for our demographic, our that we're, right? Our yeah. cohort, right? For sure. And so, you know, I came out of the med spa thing, and I had this idea of doing just like a a membership 
type of urgent care type of practice yeah. for my network. And that was really it. It was just like, it was going to be me. And, and funny <laughs> enough, the, the name of it initially was Quiet is Kept. Right. Because right. I wasn't, I was like, if you don't know about it, you don't need to know about it. It's just me. <laughs> and, but figuring out how to monetize that. And so that then grew. I put it on pause for a little while as I had to rebound from that, the, yeah. those first losses. What I wanted to add actually from the earlier point is that the other thing I realized is it's all learning. All of it is learning. There's no right. such thing as really mistakes. Maybe there's mistakes in something that you keep doing over and over and you don't learn, you don't do the learning part, yeah. but it's all learning. Nothing that someone is like very good at, they got right the first time, you know, you have to repeat it. And so that's all I really took from that mid spot thing. It was just like, oh, that was all learning. It was expensive learning, but like I, I got my real world MBA, you know, and how to, how to form a business and do your proper planning, et cetera. Getting the proper people aligned with yeah, you. Yeah, it's a team. team. It's a team. You can't, I don't care who you are. You, you can't do it all yourself. You shouldn't. Yeah. You, have, you have a saying that you say, and I have my own version of it, but I like your, your version. You should spend 90% of the time doing the, the area that is where you're genius. The area of expertise. Right. Yeah. And so if you're spending 25% doing something that you're not so good at, <laughs> it's wasted time. You know? right. so, but it's always it's a team, right? So anyway, very good friend of mine who actually I met around the time I was doing that med spa, Femi, Dr. Gennaro, yeah, yeah. he and I became very close, my gym buddy, and just, you know, we had a lot of similarities and personality and just, you know, how we interact with people and he's a G OBGYN. And so as I uh, thought about how to build a better team, you know, one of the things in it is half of the world's population is female. And so in me bouncing ideas off of him and telling him, and I remember us being at the gym and we keep saying, I would see different offerings out there. I was working for an unnamed company, a mm -hmm. won't name, and just seeing that they were having success. And it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a very clean product. It wasn't a very efficient product. It did not speak to our demographic. It did not speak to the black and brown, the young entrepreneurial, not even young, just entrepreneurial yeah. spirit, yeah. the people who don't conform to the nine to five people who know I don't have health insurance, but I'm making six figures because I'm doing, you know, my creative stuff. And, you know, this is me speaking as that person, but yeah. these are people who have been exposed to a lot, exposed to better service in so many other industries and then we then turn to that person and say, all right, sign up to a uh, health care plan and get a primary care. And then when you have an issue, <laughs> they'll see you in six weeks. Right. Or, or walk into they'll a crowd. see you. Yeah. Or walk into a crowded urgent care with no privacy. Tell the front desk person what your issue is. Right. You and the rest of the waiting room. <laughs> it does not matter that you are a recognizable person. We still expect that you're going to do that. Yeah. What are options they have? They're going to call who they know because that process is not attractive to such a large group of my network, your network, yep. et cetera, right? So, yeah. and that's kind of how Curated came about. So Femi, Dr. Gennato had a lot of those same sentiments and seeing we're seeing this void, void, this gap, especially in the women's health side too, hard to get appointments and it's not a convenient process mm -hmm. for someone who maybe has to go on tour in the week. And so 
I just kind of pulled him into the, the idea I had been working on already. And then we grew it from there. But, but at this point being my area of expertise being emergency medicine, urgent care, mostly or mostly urgent care with hospitality in there for my, yep. all my years of nightlife. Also with the women's health component, which, which I really just think just takes it to such a different level because you know, it, it, nobody's doing it. Right. I'm a general practitioner. Nobody's doing it. I could take a peek, but <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not the specialist there, right. you know? Right. And so fast forward meeting you and, you know, I said this to you before I say it on air. You know, I came out of that meeting. The first time we met, we were talking. And I came home and uh, I, I think I worked it overnight. Yeah. So I get home that morning and EJ's half sleep and I'm like waking her up like, babe, <laughs> I, I, I met, the, I met the, the final piece to the team. And she was like, well, uh, and I'm like, I couldn't have scripted this guy better. Yeah. And I, yeah. And so, I, you know, I did that and, and that was what, almost a year ago, right? It is a year ago. Yeah. I don't know if I talk about it as much on, on this show, but years ago, for the listeners, I had a, a concierge business in um, New York City where I provided urgent care services to hotels. And through that process, met a lot of celebrities. And um, some of them are still my clients that I do things for here and there. I've, I pulled out of the hotel industry. But in terms of what he was looking for, in terms of a partner, someone that understands the landscape, understands the type of client, and obviously knows medicine, it was kind of, it was kind of a win-win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny in life, man, you never know how things are going to take you. I, I, I saw, you know, got some email about some opportunity and I was like, eh, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm seeing clients. I'll, I'll you know, do this on my, on my off days, make a few extra dollars. And, um, you know, it's turning into this. So, you know, the, for me, I think that the, the, the best thing about Curated is that, you know, you, you, you talked about it, but there's really no service that really focuses on that demographic, that person of color or that woman or that entrepreneur or, you know, even that business executive who's busy because that, that other company, which will remain unnamed, I mean, they were charging people a lot of money and the service was not fantastic. As we continue to ideate this thing, we knew that we had a, a lane a definite lane to make an impact. And then obviously his network is crazy. I have a, a decent network. And I think once, and, and so does Femi. Um, and by the way, Femi, OBGYN, that's kind of funny. But anyway, I love it. <laughs> Our three networks together, you know, we're really excited about what we can build. And also I'll announce this now. We are in the process of working on a curated podcast. Yes, so yes. I'm going to be hosting that. And we're going to be bringing you a bunch of just really timely health information that's uh, connected to what's going on in, in, in the world and in right. the streets. It and is, I think people enjoy it. It is the main event of the, of the day yeah. with, yes. from a healthcare standpoint. There but, you, go. you know, the difference though is, and I have this conversation with my patients and this is why I think when I come into a room and I, and I really have conversations with patients, I really, it really resonates with them and they, and they, they really leave that conversation. So many times they're like, can I just see you and not my primary? And I'm like, I, I'm <laughs> no, not I a primary. don't do that, right. <laughs> but it's because so many healthcare providers talk from the healthcare provider standpoint. They go to these conferences, they read these articles, they go to these 
monthly meetings at their hospital and they're, you know, they, they talk the medicine all the time, but they rarely talk about the other side of it. So I'll go back to that diabetic example, right? Yeah. So it's easy for, for our side to talk about all the medications and monitor your sugars around this number and don't eat this, don't eat that. But like, you're not talking to her when the family comes over on Sunday and they, you know, people talking, talking shit about the, who, who cooked the collard greens? You know, there ain't no salt in this. <laughs> no you fat know. back. Right, ain't no fat back. Right, so when you can talk to a patient on that level or you can talk to someone that is high profile or, or understand what they go through daily and understand why I can't tell them to come, come here and sit in this waiting room. I can't tell them that, yeah. you know, they're going to be on the socials in five minutes. And it's, it's not, it's not a discreet or personalized or any of that stuff experience force a certain demographic. When you understand that you, you tackle it differently. And yeah. so I just think that until you as the provider have experienced it, it's hard to then automatically understand it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so what, if you have experienced it and you understand it, then it's going to resonate differently with that patient when you are addressing whatever issue. Well, I'll say this and then we'll move to our last section. In medical school, they don't teach hospitality. I think for you, you got it at, you know, the doors. I learned it. What did I learn? I mean, I, I guess I learned it in the hotels, you know, just learning from the concierge. They had sort of... I remember whenever I go to a hotel and I would book it, I would get the contract signed. They would always tell me, listen, our, our, our clients expect a certain level of service and it's always service first. Yeah. But when, you know, when you're in these schools, they just like, they just teach you the medicine. Like right. this is how you diagnose. This is right. what medication you give, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I think, um, I, I think it's important. Okay. Let's move to the last section of our, our talk today. It's, it's a section called First Impressions. It's something new I've been trying. And what it is, I'm going to say a word or a name, and you're going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Now, it can either be one word or it can be a phrase, but the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Ready? Okay. Number one, Tesla. Uh, great car. <laughs> Real quick, the other day we had a we had a meeting in Brooklyn and he had to come down from uh, from Connecticut to meet me and he's like, I was like, how's the drive? He's like, well, I mean, Tesla drove the first hour and a half. <laughs> Tesla did those highway miles for sure. Yep. <laughs> oh man! All right, number two, healthcare, ripe for disruption. Mm. All right, number three. Money. Just a means to an end. Mm. Okay. Number four, sex. <laughs> EJ uh, is going to be listening. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Be uh, what <laughs> a means to an end? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Because I, I don't want to... <laughs> EJ will be listening. I, yes. I don't want to... Uh, you can say pass too if you want. No, um, okay. sex. Uh, sex is essential. Okay. Number five, real estate. Exciting. Mike owns a couple of properties. Big up. I'm just, I'm just learning. I'm learning. So it's, <laughs> so it's exciting when you really get in it and start doing some stuff. Number six, 
Nightlife. I would say. Or the club. Club. Somewhere I don't want to be. But, <laughs> no, uh, nightlife, I'm eternally grateful. Eternally grateful. Okay. All right. Number seven. Technology. Useful. Uh, <laughs> useful. I mean, you know, so. Oh listen, listen. This is why this is a hard game for me. If anybody, yeah. anybody who knows I know, me, I they, know, they, I know. They know. <laughs> I can, say, I can say a lot about a lot. Uh, <laughs> you do drive a Tesla. Though. Yeah, no, yeah. The technological so, ass car. Right. <laughs> it's actually interesting. Even as much as you or I feel like we are, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like you're keeping up with. Oh, I don't Right. You feel like, yeah. like I feel like I'm trying, I'm keeping up enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, these young kids, man. With how quickly technology is changing. You're not, and I'm no. not. No, and, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up. That's no, true. Yeah, it's true. All right, number eight, Joe Budden. Dear family member. Oh, actually, no. Okay. Joe Budden, genius. He is a genius. Uh, okay. He's a genius. He is, and you know, I don't he think is. people think of him that way. The you know the the general public. Oh, he is. But if you've got a little, like you do, a little backdoor entrance to his life. That dude. I would always, um, even from when we were <laughs> when we were kids, I would always like my comment about him would be like, his thinking is different. Like I, I noticed <laughs> that I noticed that very early on. Yeah, and look where he, you know where he's taking it, but his brain works differently. It, really, it just really does, yeah. and sometimes not 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 in the best ways either. You know, <laughs> like some things that you that you or I would find. Weird or all, like, well, what are you doing? He's right. like, what? Right. What? You know, like, I remember we had these uh, dogs. We had these gray dogs. He had the brother, I had the sister. I had to go away for something, and he was watching the both, both yeah. right? And I, I pulled up to pick my dog up, <laughs> and he was living in this complex on the, like, in the on the water in Jersey, and you know, it's like townhouse complex. Yeah. As I pull into the complex, I'm like. I thought I saw my dog run by, <laughs> and then I saw I, then I saw his dog run by, like covered in mud, and I was like, "What the?" F-? So I pull in, right? I run upstairs and I go to him, and I'm like, "Yo, where the dogs?" He was like, "Oh, I let them out for a walk." I'm like, "What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm like, they got, they'll come back." I'm like, "You're talking about two massive pit bulls." Running around this complex, what do you mean? Like, and it just didn't. He's just like, oh, I let them out for a walk. They're gonna come back. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So it it, it, was, it didn't seem abnormal to him, and right. so you know, it's just like a prime example of how his brain just works. You know, in his world, like, oh, different wavelength. They'll come back. You know, I can imagine it can be difficult to be in a, a relationship, not with with you, but you know, we we know he's had his relationship issues. Yeah. So anyway, we'll move on. Number nine. <laughs> Lennox Budden. Life-changing. That's a hard one because... He's getting emotional, folks. Wow. I can see it. Yeah. No, listen, I, it's my first child, mm-hmm. and um, I have 10 nieces and nephews. Parents will tell you, like, oh, no, until you get your, your own, you don't understand. And, yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, I got nieces and nephews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And could a phrase ever be more true? Wow. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay, last one, number 10. One word or phrase to describe this person or thing. 
Mike Button. Man of the people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man of the people. Okay. Yeah, right there. Now, normally when I, I, I end my interviews, I, I tell, you know, the, I ask the guests to let the people know where they can reach out to them. You have a very uh, obscure uh, <laughs> Instagram page. <laughs> you post once a week, maybe once every two weeks, uh, if I, that. Almost like once every two months, maybe. <laughs> I'll say this. Is the website going to be curated.com? Curated.care. Curated.care. Yeah. All right. So and that's curated C U R E C U R E cure rated rated. because we're rating the cure. That's right. Curating the the cure. Okay. I don't know when this is gonna air, but by October we're gonna be rolling. So go to curated.care and check us out. C U R E rated.care. He is M Button on Instagram. I am, yeah. Every three months, he'll post something and Every see what he's doing. No, I, I, I post in the story more often. But, in the story, okay. Um, I think that I just am so focused on all the stuff that's happening yeah. outside of Instagram, and it's, it's hard to, you know. No, it's true. Working with Mike, I can tell you, he's, he's very focused on what he's focused on. So sometimes <laughs> I'll say something to him, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, <laughs> I'll say it again. Because he's focused on what he's focused on, which I appreciate. I think that's all I got. Mike, thank you so much. Listen, thank you for being my first interview, podcast or not, just interview. Listen, I I don't know, again, when this is going to air, but look out for us on the cover of uh, Forbes (laughs) and BET and New York Times and all that stuff in the coming, because we're coming. Yes, we are coming. We're coming. coming. (sighs) I will sign off as I always do, that the truth will set you free if you let it.